Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. Um, I love conversation time. I love what it's about. If you're with the pod, if you're with a family, if you safely feel within three feet of somebody else, uh, we're going to ask this question with one another. It seems like a little interesting of an Easter question. Always light because that's how we do it around here. And it is this. Nope. No signal. You see what we're doing there? No signal. Who or what are the antagonists in your life? I hope you don't know the person next to you at all. Enjoy. Well, happy Easter, New Abbey. It is good to have human beings in a room back together. Last week, I was talking about this idea as we prepared for Palm Sunday that the earliest followers of Jesus called themselves the followers of the way. And I love this idea that they're followers of the way because it means that they're on a path, that they're on a road, that they're actually moving somewhere. For so often in the 20th and the 21st century, how we thought about God was in fact that we thought about God. We had beliefs in God and it stayed up here. For the earliest church, for this marginalized group of people, it was all about the experience and the pathway of following where Jesus was at. Now, what that means is that when you're on any path, your perspective changes as you go further down that path. You can't see the end of the path when you're at the beginning of it. That every step that you take forward, you have a new vantage point for your life. You have a new perspective for who you are. And interestingly enough, as you move forward in life, sometimes you will see things differently simply because you kept moving. And congratulations to all of you. You have kept moving. How do I know that? Look where you're sitting now. You're still here. You're still showing up. God is still showing up. Even in the moments where we don't think God shows up, God surprises us. Sometimes God doesn't surprise us at a tomb. Sometimes God surprises us at the beach. Sometimes God surprises us in our darkest moments. Sometimes, even like Jesus, we cry out in our lives, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And it's there in the most God-forsaken spaces of your life that you heard the divine whisper, I'm still here. It's a path that we follow. And so the thing that I want us to take away today, this center of gravity that's holding everything together, is how do we see the best in everything. That resurrection gives us the opportunity to see the best in that thing. Even in the worst of circumstances, it gives us a different perspective and vantage point to have in the world. So if we're going to see the best, we're going to talk about some things. We're going to talk about the apostles. And if we can talk about the apostles, then we're going to come back to your antagonists. I know you're waiting for that one. And if we can talk about your antagonists, then we can talk about seeing God. And if we can see God, then we can talk about how God's ahead on some things. And if we can talk about how God's ahead on some things, then we all need to remember together. And if we can remember well, then maybe you'll see yourself in a different way. And if you can see yourself in a different way, then you can hold the tensions that are on both sides. And if we can hold the tensions that is life then as Dory once told us, don't stop swimming. And the people said, amen. amen. And if we don't stop swimming, then we'll see others. And then, of course, three C's, alliteration, I am a pastor, cynicism, Christ, and Catholic, singular. Beautiful. Follow along with me in Matthew 28, this resurrection story about Jesus. 
After the Sabbath at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. And there was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord had come down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. I love that the angels are just chilling there waiting. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were white as snow, and the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. Then the angel said to the women, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples he has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. Oh, he's English informal, I guess. I'm not sure. Uh, Maybe a translation issue there. Um, Dude was Palestinian. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. In the early church, apostles were simply the people who experienced and saw the resurrected Christ. That's what made you an apostle. The story of Easter is already so powerful because the apostle to the apostles are these women. And in the ancient world, you already know that it wasn't the women who saw God. It was the men or whatever the thing was, right? But in this story, the people who saw God first were the women. They're the ones who first experienced the resurrected Jesus, and they go tell everybody else. That for the early church, it was so important that somebody saw the resurrected Christ that Paul will pick up on this when he says later, if Jesus didn't really raise from the dead, then why would you believe in anything? Why would you believe? Why would you put your hope and faith in this thing that God is somehow going to resurrect and raise the dead parts of you somehow? If this didn't happen, then why would you believe in all of this other stuff? And so for the apostles in the earliest church, it was so important that these apostles had stories to tell, that they were the ones who saw, who experienced, who doubted, who wondered, were quite unsure, who were clearly afraid. But in that moment, they saw something. They saw something new for their life, and they experienced something. And in some way, you've experienced something. I know for some of you sitting there in a deconstruction crowd like this, is he telling me to believe in a literal resurrection? I'm not sure if I believe that anymore. (laughs) Stressful. (laughs) What I'm saying is, you've experienced something. I believe that. I believe that they experienced a resurrected Christ in some way. I believe that. I believe that we're here today because of that. I think that we keep coming back because we've experienced something. And that the journey is to keep experiencing it into all the different facets of our life. Now, the hard thing about experiencing Jesus is that bad things happen in the world. Difficult things take place. There are antagonists in all of our lives. This is the Easter story. That before we get to Sunday and resurrection and angels chilling on tombs and all of the other good stuff, we have crucifixion. We have death. We have all of the antagonists being played out. You have Caesar and systematic oppression. You have Pontius Pilate, right? You have friends who betrayed you. You have your closest people and you're all alone and nobody is there. You have your church, your religious people who won't even welcome you. In fact, they call out for your death that this story of Easter is all of our stories, 
All of us have been there where the church did you wrong, where your family, you never thought it could be your family, your family wasn't there for you. The people that you've entrusted with your whole being and your whole life that they betrayed you, that all of us have had an experience or a moment where we felt like I didn't deserve this. This is unjustified. This isn't okay. There's a better way for the world to look. This is the Jesus story. That we all have these antagonists in our lives and we're hoping for something else. This last year was a year that exposed everything. We all sat in our homes. We all had the same experience of, you know, pantless life and Zoom meetings. We all witnessed George Floyd. We all grieved with the Black Lives Matter movement. We all experienced the pressure of a political season that none of us wanted. We all had these experiences of, man, I just need another human being in my life right now. We all grieve with double API brothers and sisters that we can go story after story after story about how this last year exposed some things for our society. It exposed the betrayals. It exposed that the world is not right. It exposed the inequities and the injustices. And we all sit here and long for something new. We all long to experience renewal. We all long to experience reconciliation. We all long to experience resurrection, that we want the world to change. We want the world to be healed. We want the world to be transformed. We all want the same things. We all want to see the world in a fresh way. And so I think where we begin with this reality of seeing the world in a fresh way is that we start with seeing God. I love the idea in Judaism that you wear a yarmulke with this idea that there's always something above you. There's a bigger perspective. There's a grander vision for the universe. And that we want to hold on to that perspective in some way. I love that in the story that we get to see God in new ways. That Even the angel says words like this, that Jesus is already ahead of you. Man, how many of us needed that hope in this last year? God is already ahead of you. God is already a further up the path. And for some of us, what we needed in this last year is to know that there's not just a God who's ahead of us and that it's just a carrot in front of a stick and that we're never going to experience this Jesus. But that for many of us in this room, that was through the most difficult times. It was through a world of being exposed. It was through your deconstruction that you experienced something fresh. That Jesus just wasn't ahead of you, but you met Jesus there and that Jesus met you there. And it was different than you imagined it. And that's okay. Jesus is ahead of you, and the angel says, and you will see him. I read these words fresh, very fresh this year. I have had Easter's where I have shown up wondering, what do I believe about this thing? What is really happening here? And this is a year that through the most difficult year that we've experienced corporately, in the deepest part of my bones, I believe with all of my heart because I've experienced it, not just through my life, but through each and every one of your stories, through so many of your stories on Zoom calls that you saw them. You found a little something different, that God didn't meet you in those things, that God was in fact ahead of you. 
and how powerful that was. And not only, the angel not only says that Jesus is ahead of you and you're going to see him, but he eventually says, and remember. And I love the word remember because that's what we do in this space. We need people to get up here and tell us their story about going to Israel and to a holy land and you went to all of the holy sites and you didn't see God here and you didn't see God here. And man, this is where God showed up in some crazy surprise. That we need to hear one another's stories about figuring out that we need authenticity, that we need to be genuine with one another, that we don't come up here, tell a story, we tie it up with a bun, and then we're like, and I have never sinned again. No. Someone did a fist pump in the back. You're a liar. But anyways, <laughs> our story is the story of figuring it out. Our, is this, our story is the story that wherever we find ourselves in the journey, wherever we find ourselves from this vantage point, there we remember. That Katie and Chelsea are sitting in the front row. They don't even know what I'm going to say, and they're already clapping for you. Feels good. And a year ago at this time, I remember getting a call from Chelsea because Katie was in the hospital, that she had had an infection, that she didn't know what it was, and that it was the beginning of COVID. And so the doctor said, well, maybe you have COVID. It was just so early on. Do you remember how scary it was early on? We didn't know what was going on. We were just so uncertain that anytime anybody got sick, we just were terrified. And the world just felt so, so scary. And I remember that you were in the hospital and we later found out it was an infection, but they put you in a COVID ward. And I remember just Chelsea calling me at 8.30 at night and just crying and saying, I would do anything to take this from her. I can't even go see her right now. They won't let me in the room to see the person that I love the most. And she was terrified that you were going to die, that you were going to die. And that part of the reason that you had had an infection is because you guys have been trying through infertility to have a baby. And that in your attempt for life, you thought, I might actually die. And I remember sitting on the couch with you and you just sharing your heart and grieving. And it feels silly even in those moments to, to want to say, oh, Jesus is ahead of you. God's ahead, you'll see him, I swear. But the hope that I live into is that Jesus was ahead of you. There was hope in the journey. And that as you show up today, what you remember is that you are alive and that you are well and that you've had surgeries and you've taken care of yourself and that you're better than ever. And now your wife, this is the win for lesbians, right? Two wounds, let's go. <laughs> Double the opportunity. Back up oven, let's go. That you're pregnant with Brixton. Yeah. And isn't that all of our stories about perspective? That we've all been in a moment where we thought, I don't even know how I'm going to get through this. I don't even, where, you know that moment where every minute feels like years where you're just wasting, you're waiting, you're hungering, you're just hoping that you can make it to the next hour, to the next night. What could I possibly sleep? And then you get a year down the road and you look back and what the story is, I think is remember. Remember what you were told. Remember that crucifixion was just three days ago. Remember all of the things that Jesus said to you. You will see him on the road. Remember the stories that he said because the tomb is now empty. The things that you thought were dead are now alive. That is true not only of Jesus. It's not a story that we tell about a Palestinian guy who walked out of a tomb 2,000 years ago. This is a story about our lives today, that dead things in your life will come to life, and that sometimes it's just about perspective and vantage point. 
And that sometimes we need a different perspective of who God is, that we can see the best in God, that we can see that God wants the best for us. That doesn't always mean that God's a magic genie. This is not some type of toxic positivity that's always going to work out. It is a story of the fact that the hope that we have is that we are here, that life is continuing. And every day that we have the gift of being here, every day we experience the resurrection of this moment, then we have an opportunity for hope. That if we can see the best in God, if we can see that God really is ahead of us, if we can see that God really is further down the pathway, then I think that we have the ability to begin to see the best in ourselves. That we begin to look at the story in a different way. And I love how honest the resurrection story is in Matthew. That as the women ran away, as they went to go be the apostles to the apostles, as they were the one who haven't even seen the dead body yet, right? But the tomb was just empty, that they believed in something, that they believed that these stories could possibly be true. That as they were on their way down the road, they did encounter Jesus. They experienced something real and profound and tangible that they tasted and they touched and they smelled and that they had a story to tell the world and that Jesus tells them the same thing. Do not be afraid. Go ahead and tell them these things. But then where the authenticity is is here is it says they were afraid and yet they had joy. And isn't that the truth of life? That so often we find ourselves, oh, I guess if I'm going to be deconstructing that I can never have joy again and we're just going to burn the entire world down. And then I guess if I don't start deconstructing, then I have to be just a happy Christian always. And it's like, I'm never angry or mad at people. This is real, I promise you. But the truth is neither. The truth of reconstruction, the truth of resurrection, the truth of being further along in our journey is this, is that of course we hold both. Of course you should be afraid. Of course you should have anger. Of course you should have rage for all of the things that took place last year. Of course, you should be able to fully experience that and tell your story. Live into that. Don't be ashamed of those things. This is not like resurrection, everything's better now. The crazy thing about the resurrection story is that Jesus came out of the tomb, he was no longer dead, and the world wasn't changed at all. Isn't that wild? Caesar was still there. Pontius Pilate was still there. Judas had still betrayed him. There was no friends to be seen. All of the systems, all of the things going on were still there. Because the story is not that when we experience resurrection that the world externally magically changes. The story is that when you experience resurrection, it's your internal journey that changes. And now you have a new perspective to see the external through. That's where the journey changes. This is what resurrection means. These are the things that you're invited into. And now you have a choice. Now you have a choice to be able to hold both things. Now you can still be afraid, still admit it, still say it. Nobody gets to squash that. And you can say, but I know that Jesus is ahead of me. How do I know that? Because I've experienced it. I just, I just know that I know because I've experienced it, because I'm here now, and I can tell you stories when I never thought that I was going to get through it. And I have other people who've told me it, that I'm not just reading old scriptures from 2,000 years ago, that I'm with a living body of people who tell their stories every week, and we talk every week. We deal with the real things and the hard things. We talk about the systems that are oppressing people. We talk about the difficult things that are going in life. We're honest in political conversations. We're real about the internal damages that are taking place. We don't shy away from real things in this world like our addiction or our pain or our divorces or the things that hurt us. We're just a group of people who keep saying we're going to show up and we're going to be honest because even though we're here right now and we think that things may be dead, I know that there's other people who've told their story and they've experienced some resurrection and they're a little bit ahead of me. I tried breathing somewhere in there. 
That's what we believe in. And it allows us to believe in ourselves in a different way, that we can be honest about the things that we hold together, the juxtapositions that we have. So if we can see the best in God, if we can see the best in ourselves, then I think it eventually gives us the opportunities to see the best in others. Because what kind of life do we really want? Do we really want to be a community that's like, we are so woke, they're all idiots? That's not fun. We want the world to honestly change. We want the world to honestly transform. We want the world to honestly heal. We know that if I've gotten this far on my path, if I've learned these things, if it's taken me this much work to get here, then imagine that it might take them that much work as well. And then you also have a big enough perspective because you can see the best in God, you can see the best in yourselves, and you can see the best in others, that you know that there's other people ahead of you on your path. And you need their wisdom and their grace and their mercy and their kindness and their story to show up for you for where you're at. That's the gift of being a body of people with one another. We need to be a Jesus community. That's how we tell the biggest story of God in a place like Los Angeles in 2021. We never do it alone. We always do it with one another. And so now we have some choices to make. Are we going to allow cynicism to ruin our lives? Are we going to allow cynicism to rob us of the life that God is trying to give us? Ask questions, doubt, wonder, figure it out, but don't let cynicism rob you. Don't let cynicism tell you that there is no joy and that there is no hope. That's not true. If we really are going to progress, if we really are going to evolve, then we want a story that actually works for everybody. We don't want a story where we're just smarter or better off or we figured it out more than the next people. That resurrection is an invitation for all of humanity. That cynicism, I believe, is something that that kills us. And here's, here's why I'm saying this, is if you've been at New Abbey before, I have packed plenty of punches for the conservative church. I have spared nothing. And honestly, I am tired of hearing myself. Where I'm at now is I just want to talk to my own. I get it. I get this progressive community. And what I'm saying is we got to grow up in some areas. And that's okay. We can still say all the things that we need to say. We can still be honest about it, but we can also tell a bigger story because we know that resurrection allows us to hold what we're afraid of and it allows us to hold our joy. That for the early church, they, I love it actually for the, I love this phrase by Richard Rohr. And this phrase for Richard Rohr is that Christianity is simply defined as this our ability to see Christ in everyone. That's what Christianity is. When I see the best in God, when I have a new perspective about who God is and what God's doing in the world, when I begin to see myself in a different way and I can honestly love myself and love who Christ made me to be and love the things that I have, good, bad, and indifferent, and say, yep, this is who I am, and God just doesn't accept me, God celebrates me? Come on. How many of you have been waiting and longing for a community of faith that just doesn't accept you but celebrates you? celebrates every part of who you are. And so as you see the fullness of Christ in you, then don't you dare rob that from another human being. They may be your enemy, but your capacity to see Christ in them is the thing that will heal the world. That the earliest church, when they finally branded themselves, whenever that was, (laughs) called themselves the Catholic Church. And Catholic simply means universal. Everybody. That if we can get rid of the cynicism, that if we can begin to see Christ in everyone and everything, then we begin to pave a pathway forward where this thing wasn't just for a select group of people who said a prayer in a specific way at whatever time and place and whatever all that stuff is. 
This is a story of a universal narrative where God wants to reclaim, redeem, and bring resurrection for all of humanity. Why would we ever want anything less? Why would we ever want our enemies to not be healed? Of course we need them to be healed. They have something for us. Maybe not in their current state. I'm going to tell you that. That's called boundaries. That's another sermon for another day. You might need to say, bye, Felicia, to a few people. But in the meantime, that's still our hope. We can still hold that anger, still hold that frustration, still say we want to see change there. But what we hope for is that, of course, they're eventually healed. Because we want to see the world transformed. The other day, I was having a cigar with one of my mentors, because that's what you do. <laughs> and through COVID, he found out that his wife uh, has breast cancer, and that her breast cancer had, had come back. And it's been a terrifying year for them, in COVID, in cancer, and feeling so lonely about who can come over and who can't come over and what all of that means. And all the medications that she's been taking have just made her incredibly sick, and they've been isolated in a lot of ways. And about a month ago, she got really, really sick and went into the hospital. And one of those moments of, I, I, I don't know if she's going to make it. And I went to their house just a couple weeks ago, and he was telling me the story. He's like, something profound happened to me. As I was in the hospital texting all of these people, I realized, oh, we're all praying to the same God. I texted conservatives. I texted progressives. I texted people of other faith. But you know what I had in that moment? We're all just praying to the same God. We're all, in the we're all just the same people. We all want the same things. We all want a God to show up for us in our most difficult places. We all want healing in that moment. We all cry out to something, right, beyond ourselves in that place. That there's all of these things that we do in our society to differentiate into detail and to separate us in some way. But at the end of the day, in our most difficult moments, and our most broken moments, we're just human beings who need something beyond ourselves. And that's the power of resurrection. It's a story that is an invitation for all people. And so New Abbey, as we're back together, may we be a community that sees God in bigger ways. Would we see the best in a God who will go ahead of us? Would we trust that we will see where God is at? Would we remember our stories well? As we leave from this space and as we take resurrection with us wherever we go, New Abby, would you see the best in yourself? Would you know that exactly who you are, that you are a child of the divine? Would you know that God loves you? If you've heard us say that in here a thousand times, maybe in this moment you hear it for the first time, would you know that you are a child of the divine? Would you know that God hears you? If you need to close your eyes, put your hands on your belly and breathe in right now, would you hear that God not only just loves you, but God is pleased with you. That the divine enjoys you and delights in you. That the story of betrayal, that the story of somebody who doesn't deserve it, is a story that we all go on because God is trying to show each and every one of us that God takes new things and brings new life. And how do you know that? Because you are here. And as you taste of resurrection, as you remember deeper truths about who God is and who you are, would you begin to see Christ in everyone and everything? And in doing so, would we bring resurrection to the entire world? We're gonna get back in some groups and we're gonna answer this question with one another. Where can you practice seeing the best? Enjoy.
Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.